Praise the Lord. Um, it's been kind of a whirlwind of a couple of weeks here. And uh, I'll just tell you that the, the trip to uh, Israel, I my phone is just swollen up with pictures and videos and and so much information. This particular trip, they uh, they're really they call it a boot camp. It's not really like a tourist trip. It's to give information for your church. And so we were getting up at 7 a.m. in the morning, and we were going till about 9, 10 o'clock at night. And as soon as we got back exhausted, they say, there's another lecture coming in, in one of the, you know, one of the uh, meeting rooms. So be there and don't be late. And, 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 and by the way, if you were late, I had one pastor I was talking to. He went to the bathroom, bus left without him. He had to get a cab to go to Jerusalem one day. So you had to be there on time everywhere, never be late. Uh, we were moving really fast, and so it takes a while to digest. And so I've been really praying, and it was one of the topics of conversation is, how do you begin to, uh, uh, dis- how, how do you begin to deliver this information to your church? What is the best way to do it? And everybody was praying for a good way. And so the best way that I know how to do it, um, I really, because of the amount of information, literally, um, that particular group that we're with is 7 million members, I think, strong. And it's the largest grassroots organization so uh, for support of Israel. So saying that, that means that they have a lot of influence in the Holy Land and they have a lot of friends in the Holy Land and the people that they um, gather to talk to us are pretty high-level people. So we were talking to government people, military people, uh, generals, I mean, people that were very involved. So what I'm going to do... Um, you really can't, if I were to come up here and just tell you everything I did in Israel in one shot, it would really not be fair to you um, and would not get you the information they want me to bring to you. So what I'm going to do is, starting next week, uh, I'm going to start bringing pictures um, one at a time. I'm, I'm going to, not one picture at a time, but one location at a time. Because each location's a lot of pictures. So I'm going to go one location which uh, my first location, which I'll do next week, is uh, the border of Syria and Lebanon. And they want us to know what's going on there. Now, this particular border is the largest concentration of terrorists in the world is on that border. And so last year at this time, one section there was ISIS, one section there was Al-Qaeda, one section there was Hamas, one section was Hezbollah, one section was Syrian rebels, and they're all lined up on this 62-mile border with Lebanon and Syria. And by the way, they're all in agreement with one thing in life. There's nothing else they agree on. One thing they agree on is we hate Israel and we don't want them to exist. And so that's the location I'll try to unravel next week because it's, it's very complicated. It's very complicated to understand, but it's very important that we understand because if we don't understand, uh, we'll get fooled in these last days. And I will be deceived in these last days. So starting next week, I'm going to start, like I said, one location at a time. There's almost no way for me to, like I said, cover very much information in one testimonial. So I would rather take my time at each location. And no, I won't go one picture at a time. (laughs) I've got about a thousand, so I can't do that. Praise the Lord. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. And while you're turning there, let me just say thank you. 
um, especially um, my wife who did an awful lot while I was gone and really took a lot upon herself. And by the way, uh, the nursery hasn't been... Um, um, we haven't had someone doing nursery recently. Uh, Angela has decided to take that upon herself. So she's lining up some people to help do nursery, have a rotation. Uh, but she will be in there and we will have nursery from here on out. So just know that somebody's back there if you need to bring your kids back. Um, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. This is a very well-known story. In fact, the title of my message is, Finding peace. Finding peace. I just want you to begin to think about that. Finding peace. And uh, you say, wow, we need that in the world. I need, I need you to start applying it to ourselves. Finding peace. It says, thank you. I had to make sure that wasn't part of Genesis. I'm constantly putting part of Genesis back in my Bible. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior, the Lord, or a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared With what? So it's a great heavenly host is appearing with the angel. And they were praising God and saying, Now all the things that the angel and the heavenly host could say, think of all the different things you would insert here as your line. You've got one line here to kind of make a summary of what's about to happen in Bethlehem. And so what? how many think the heavenly host and the angel and the praising and the glory that's all around in this momentous event, how many think that you would be very succinct and very clear with your message? You, know, you would want that message to be the um, very focused message because this is probably the most momentous event in history at this moment. And so heaven's going to have a great one-liner. How many like great one-liners? And heaven is going to give a summary of why this event's so important, and it's right here. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men. But which men? Now, men is a general term for everybody. But it says peace to men on whom his favor rests. So peace is the message here to everybody on the ones whom God's favor rests. That's the message that heaven gives about this momentous event that's about to happen in Bethlehem. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, 
the shepherds said to one another, let's go to where? Bethlehem. So they're in the fields around Bethlehem. They've just heard this message about peace on whom God's favor rests. And it says, so they hurried off. Hold on. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened with the Lord, what, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray that you deliver your message, Lord God, not mine. Father, I pray for your anointing and your power and your glory, and most of all, your peace. Let it rest upon as many as will hear, Lord. In your name we pray, and everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. So this peace of God, um, this child that's coming to Bethlehem is going to deliver something called peace that we may think we understand. And this peace is available for all men, but the only ones that are going to receive it are the ones who have God's favor upon them. God has wants everybody to have it, but only some are going to receive it. And so as you begin to look at this word, um, this is something that, um, this was a message that really started to uh, develop in me while I was in Jerusalem, while I was in Israel. I began to notice, uh, it's, it's kind of weird, the first thing that I began to notice was hostility. You say, wow, that's, that's really amazing. That's the first thing you notice. Well, you gotta remember, they took me to a bomb shelter, a Syrian headquarters. The first thing I did off the plane was go to the Syrian-Lebanon border. And there was a concrete and, um, rebar building that was a Russian-built building. And it was the headquarters of, uh, the Syrian rebels. And so this building had nothing but war in it. This building had been numerous battles, and how many know uh, the most battle-torn nation in the world and the most battle-torn city is Jerusalem? Uh, that little corridor that they have there uh, connects three continents, and more battles have been fought there than anywhere. And Israel is trying to live in their nation, and just imagine, if you would, a nation that has three areas that are completely controlled by a different government. There's an area called the Gaza Strip, which is the southern, uh, southwestern border, and that particular Gaza Strip is controlled by the Palestinians. How many know that? Then you go up to Jerusalem, and when you see Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, Jerusalem's cut in half. East Jerusalem and the whole West Bank is Palestinian controlled. It's controlled by the government of Palestine. Then you go up to the top, the other border, in fact, all of these borders, they're trying to control their borders. You go to the very northern part of Israel, it's called the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights is where I was at when I first got there. And what you begin to notice is these armies are all around Israel, 
and they're threatening their peace constantly. In fact, they constantly are aware that they want, they don't just want to share land with them. They don't just want their own country. They want them obliterated. They want them wiped off of the earth. They don't want them around anymore. They want them uh, driven into the sea. And so there's this hostility you begin to notice and you say, well, man, um, that's not what my Christmas card looks like. You say, oh, man, this is going to be one of those messages. <laughs> it's not. But i got to set my message up, all right? How many have ever heard, sang the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem? And what a beautiful song. It's a little town. God providentially chose Bethlehem of all the towns that He could have chose in Israel. He chose this little town that maybe had somewhere between 300 residents probably to maybe a 1,000. It was a very little town, uh, just on, built on a hillside. And Bethlehem is only six miles from Jerusalem. It's south of Jerusalem, only six miles, and it's in an area that we call the West Bank. How many know that? Six miles from Jerusalem. So the wise men come into Jerusalem, and they're watching the stars, and they know by the stars that there's going to be a king of the Jews that's born. So they go to Jerusalem to inquire, where is he to be born? We've seen his star. And who did he ask? So you have all these people that have been waiting for a Messiah, looking for a Messiah, looking for a prince of peace, one that's going to bring peace, one that's going to... Um, change everything, they come to Jerusalem and they said, oh yeah, if you're looking for the Messiah that we've been waiting for for several thousand years, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Now what around here is six miles from here? Cross the bridge? What do you think? Somebody give me something six miles from here. What's that? Somewhere on the other side of the bridge. Not very far, right? Six miles, if I had to walk it, I could walk it. Don't make me walk it. But if I had to walk it, I could walk it. Okay? Six miles is not very far to go find the Messiah that's been promised for thousands of years. Then why did nobody come from Jerusalem to go see what may have been in Bethlehem? Isn't that amazing? That he went to the religious leaders in Jerusalem and nobody made the trip? Why would they not make a trip six miles to just see if maybe it's true? Maybe it's possible that this one that's going to bring peace to the world is in Jerusalem. And nobody made the trip. Nobody that were considered the religious people of that day, knowing that those men came from the east, from far away, to go find the one that was born, the king of the Jews. Why did nobody go six miles to see the baby? And so, as I walk around Jerusalem, there's one word you always hear. Does anybody know the word you always hear in Jerusalem? 
fact, when you learn a new language, one of the first things you learn is how to say hello and how to say goodbye. Well, in Israel, it's very easy to learn how to say goodbye and how to say hello and just about everything else, and it's one word, and it's shalom. And one of the things that they're very quick to tell you is shalom doesn't mean what you think it means. We think it means peace. But they say shalom is much deeper than what the Westerners think it is. And I had more than one person tell me what shalom meant. Shalom means that there is going to be a day one day in the future where everything finally is at peace, but we don't have shalom right now. And they're waiting for a day when their Messiah will come, their Messiah will speak peace, their Messiah will finally let them live in peace, because up until now, they've had no peace. In fact, so many times I heard, if only somebody could come and bring peace. If only somebody could come and solve our problems, if somebody could only come and bring shalom, and we have 30 pastors with us, and we're all saying, he already is here. There already is a prince of peace, and they just don't see the prince of peace. They just don't see the one that was born in Bethlehem. They just didn't hear the message that was given that day in Bethlehem was going to be born one who will give peace to all men. And so I started going back and, and, and I just began to, uh, think about this peace and just began to dwell on it because the word literally means to be complete. It means full. It means emotionally, physically, um, every part of your life to have Shalom, and it will be in its fullness when God ushers in His kingdom. It will be a full shalom. But right now, we can have peace in our life. And right now, we have as much trouble finding peace as they had trouble finding Him in Bethlehem. In fact, wouldn't it be a shame if we go through our whole lives and we don't find peace that was given on that day through Jesus Christ, if we don't find it, and we've been celebrating Christmas our whole life. Think about it. We've been singing Christmas carols our whole life. We've been celebrating Jesus our whole life. We've been celebrating the manger our whole life, and the whole message that Jesus had in Bethlehem is, I want my peace to rest upon you and I want you to live and be ruled and be reigned. I want you to enter the gates of a city that is a city called peace. And you say, is there such a city? Have you ever heard of a city called Jerusalem? How many know that that's what the name is? The name is called Jerusalem, which means foundation. Shalom, which means peace. The city that has the foundation of peace. And as I was walking around, one of the Jewish men pulled me around, pulled me aside one night and he said, Israel is our inheritance, but Jerusalem is for the nations. Jerusalem is not ours. It's God's gift to the nation. It's the city that has the foundation, which is called peace. And that's why the Bible says that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because the ultimate fulfillment of shalom, according to every Jew, is 
when the Messiah finally comes and rules and reigns in Jerusalem. But how many know Jesus actually unlocked the gates of the city? There's going to be a new Jerusalem that's going to come down from heaven that's talked about at the end of Revelation. That new Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven and it's going to be a glorious city of peace and we can finally rest. How many think rest sounds good? How many know that the hostility that they experience in Israel is exactly the hostility the Christian senses in the world around them? There are enemies all around us, church. There's enemies trying to destroy you, trying to destroy me. There's an enemy that that roams around seeking to devour. How many have ever felt the hostility in your life? Man, I went through some things that I can't believe I went through. Things that hurt me, things that damaged me, things that almost destroyed me, things I'm still trying to deal with. I've got hostility all around me. My heart has fear. My heart has anxiety. My heart has all these things. And Jesus Christ is saying, I am bringing peace if you'll receive it. And church, how do we need, how much do we need peace that He's offering through Jesus Christ? In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1, it says, and this is a prophetic word from Isaiah. It says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God has made salvation its walls and its ramparts. Open the gates. Do you understand that Jesus Christ fulfilled this? He's saying, open the gates of this city. Isaiah is seeing a prophetic city. He's seeing it in his eyes. He sees a city whose gates are salvation. A city um, that is different than any other city we've ever lived in. How many know the city in the world we live in is full of fear, full of anxiety, full of all these things? And he's saying, there's a new city that Jesus Christ is opening. Its walls are salvation, and you're going to be able to enter in this city one day and live there. And by faith, God expects us to live in there today. God doesn't want us to live in a world where we're afraid, where we have anxiety, where we have no peace in our heart, where we we have all these things troubling our minds. He wants us to live in a place where peace reigns. And it says, open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Young's little translation of verse 4 says, Trust in Jehovah forever, for in Yah Jehovah is a rock of ages. It's the only place in the Bible where a rock of ages is used. It says that one day this Messiah is going to open the gates of this city and a righteous nation's going to begin to enter in. And how many know when Jesus Christ came, He said the kingdom of heaven is now. Right now is the kingdom of heaven. Right now I'm opening the gates to this heavenly city. Right now we're letting a righteous nation begin to enter. And there are some people whom the favor of God will rest upon. There's some people that will have shalom today and not tomorrow. We'll have it tomorrow, but we can have it today. How many know? 
God wants us to have a complete and a full shalom. God wants us to walk through this world without fear, without anxiety, with the joy of the Lord. And it's not based on your circumstances. And so Isaiah seen this city and began to talk about this city. And Jesus in John chapter 14 verse 27 says, Peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now if I were to give you something, say I gave you a Christmas present. And then I thought to myself, I would have really liked to have had that. That's something I would enjoy having myself. Why did I do that? That was kind of dumb. So then I say, Mike, I really wanted you to have that present, but it looks like something I would enjoy. I'm going to take it back. It wasn't a real gift then, was it? We have names for people that do that. Lots of names. (laughs) So if he says peace... I give to you, not like the world gives. He's given us a gift He doesn't want to take away. He wants us to have it. And you say, well, well, man, I don't know. There's so much hostility around me. You know, there's things that are going wrong. Church, let me tell you something. Some of you know everybody in this church. I don't know anybody in this church that hasn't went through tragedies hasn't went through difficult things, hasn't went through depression, hasn't went through deaths, hasn't went through hard times, haven't, hasn't been without money. I mean, no, we've all been through a lot of things. But Jesus says, I'm giving you a gift, shalom. I'm giving you peace that the world doesn't, it's not the same as the world. It's different than the world. It's a gift that I'm giving you and you're going to find it in the person of Jesus Christ. You're going to enter into a city that's different than the city you've grown up in, the neighborhood you've grown up in. You're going to be different people, citizens of a different place. So one of the first things we notice with this peace, in Psalm 85.8 it says, I want to hear what God the Lord says. Because he promises peace to his people, to his godly ones, but they must never go back to their stupidity or their folly. I mean, no, God is offering peace. And the first peace that God is offering is peace with himself. I mean, no, that peace with God is critical. And Jesus is the only, in fact, I'll talk in a minute about the price that peace costs. But God wants us to have peace with Him. I mean, you know, the Bible says that our sinful nature was hostile toward God. Our sinful nature was against God. The Bible says we were all enemies of God. We were all hostile toward God. We were all aliens and foreign to God, the Bible says. The Bible also says that we were um, fighting against Him. Our sinful nature fights. And we begin to think to ourselves, man, I would like to do this. 
But I know that's not pleasing to God. So the fighting begins. How many remember that? Maybe I'm the only sinner here. And we want something for ourselves, and we say, man, God's not pleased with that. So we fight a little more. We elude a little more. We, we run from God a little more. We disappear from God a little more. And then guilt begins to set in. Because I'm away from God, because I've never known God, because God's been foreign, now I'm an alien to God. I'm not talking about the green one, so just your imaginations have to stop here. I mean, I'm a foreigner to God. I'm a foreigner to His grace, foreigner to His love. I've got enmity with God. I'm against God. And what we don't realize is, in the very beginning, God actually loved me. God still loves me. God wants what's best for my life. And how many know that God's commands aren't because He hates you? What value does God get out of you not drinking alcohol? What value does God get out of you not cussing out your neighbor? What value does God get when you... All of these things that we do are things that God's saying, I want you to have a good life. I want you to have a blessed life. I want you to have a peaceful life. I want you to have good relationships. Everything that God asks us to do is because He wants us to have a blessed life. He wants us to have a good life. And here we are fighting with God. We're angry. We're fighting. We're against God. We're at odds with God. We're like, God, how dare you tell me I can't do this to make me have a better life? You're a terrible God. How many of you know we fight God and all God wants us to do is to have a life that is blessed? And so the first thing God brings through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ comes to this world and the only way that we can have peace with God is God says, I'm going to have to die, be mutilated, be beaten, be mistreated, be hated by men, be mocked by men. I'm going to have to do that to make peace. How many of you know God could have done it any way He wanted? But that not that pretty harsh? I, God, am going to allow all these things to happen to me so you can be at peace with me. Why would God do it that way? Why would God choose to come to this earth as a, as a helpless child and live a life and know from the moment he's born that I'm here to die so you can have peace with God. It's because God is yelling at the top of His voice, I love you. I love you. I love you so much. I know how hard your life has been. That's why my life was so hard. I know how difficult your life's been. That's why my life was so difficult. This is the way the world is right now. This is the way uh, sin has damaged this world. Sin's damaged this world so much that I took sin upon me. I got myself punished by that same sin that's punishing your lives. And I did it because I want to draw you close to me. I want you to know that it could not be avoided. It could not have been passed by. I had to make peace with you by showing you that I was subjected to the same things that you were subjected to. 
And so God's first act of peace is peace with Him. Let's get rid of the hostility. You say, well, man, I don't know. I see these people lifting their hands up and worshiping God. Church, can I tell you something? I can remember walking into a church and saying I could never do that. I can remember walking in and saying these people can do that. And it made me a little angry that those people could do that, but I could never be one of those people. How many have ever done that? Be honest, you have to go way back. You have to go way back before you were so clean and so beautiful. (laughs) I can remember spiritually walking in being filthy. And spiritually walking in and saying, I'll never be one of those people. And then it was Jesus, through His death, that drew me and said, Chad, it's nothing that you can do, you will ever do. It's my death. And I'm going to take you from far away and you're going to be close to me. You can raise your hands now. And I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and He cleaned me and said, come into my presence. It's that easy, church. That wall of separation. And here's what's fascinating about Bethlehem. It's a perfect word picture of where man is at. It's in the West Bank. Between that short little area of Bethlehem and Jerusalem, that six miles is a 20-foot wall. A 20-foot wall. Do you know why there has to be a 20-foot wall? You didn't see that in your Christmas card, did you? Your Christmas card doesn't show you the 20-foot wall that's keeping out suicide bombers. If that 20-foot wall is not there, those who are in the little town of Bethlehem will come over to the big town of Jerusalem and they'll blow themselves up. You say, well, man, what's that have to do with us? How many know that same wall of partition has been put there by the enemy? God wants you to know the peace of Jesus Christ in your life. He wants that wall to be shattered. That wall of hostility is still there today and it's going to be there until the Messiah comes and brings peace to the whole world. Well, who's He bringing peace to now? The nations? No, Luke said He's bringing peace to men whose favor, whose favor, His favor rests upon. So right now there's a kingdom of peace that is bringing peace between men. Do you know right now Jesus Christ can be born in the manger of my heart? How many know that's true? If I will allow Jesus Christ to be born into the manger of my heart, He'll begin to be birthed. He'll grow throughout my life. And it'll be a full... The hope that God was bringing to the world has been brought into my life. And that wall of separation will be gone that's there today. I mean, oh, God is spiritually doing what He's going to do to the world when He restores everything. God is taking a righteous nation, opening the doors of Jerusalem, and He's saying, come on in. Come on in and enjoy the peace that the whole world one day is going to enjoy. So God makes peace with with, with us and Him. The second thing... Jesus Christ brings peace within me. He gives me peace with God, but that's not the same as peace within. How many know that peace with God, I can understand that God's forgiven me of my sins, 
I can understand that uh, I can worship now and I can love the Lord. I, I can understand that the hostility between me and God is gone, but what about the hostility against myself? How many have ever had hostility against yourself? How many have ever been uh, full of guilt? How many have ever been full of anger? How many have ever said, God could never forgive me for what I've done? And there's this anger within yourself. In fact, uh, Psalms 4.8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord. God will make you sleep at night in peace. One of the first things I can remember God doing in my life is allowing me to lay down in peace and know that I was right with the Lord and the Lord had forgiven me of everything I've ever done. How many know that's a good feeling? But Jesus Christ came to bring peace within. You say, well, man, what is peace within? How many have ever laid down full of fear? How many know fear will flood your heart? Some of you right now have fear and don't even know it. I'm afraid of my bills. I'm afraid of my job. I'm afraid of my marriage. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I've got anxiety. How many have ever had anxiety? That anxiety is just stirring all the time. It's stirring all the time. And it's constantly... How many know these things affect your health even? How many know when anger ages? How many have ever seen old anger? Little old man anger, all right? He's got a new name when he gets old. His name is bitterness. And sometimes we walk around bitter. And we don't even know it. Little old Scrooge, he was a man that walked around in bitterness. And sometimes we walk around with anger that's old. We're still angry at what happened to us when we were a little kid. We're still angry what happened to us at work. We're angry all the time. And it's old anger and it's got a name called bitterness. And what the peace that Jesus Christ brings, the peace that He brings and wants every man to have whose favor of God rests, He wants us to have peace over those things. You say, well man, how can I have peace? Sometimes your anger is, life's not fair. Life's not fair. This happened to me when I was a kid and that was not fair. I didn't get to be a child. I didn't get to have innocence. I didn't get to do this. How many think some people think that way? It's easy, church. I have. I might be the only one. Like everybody's looking at me like, man, that's never happened to me. I totally miss the Lord on that one. I'm sorry. But sometimes we have regrets. Sometimes we wish life would have went better. And how many know we ruin the rest of our life because we're mad about how life didn't go well 10 years ago? How many think it would be a great gift to have peace? In Matthew chapter 8, it says that they were on the Sea of Galilee and suddenly a storm, a violent storm hit. Kind of funny. He's laughing because we got on the Sea of Galilee in a boat it was nice when we left. A storm suddenly hit. And then by the time we got to the other side, it was sunny. 
And, uh, but it wasn't like this storm. Water was going up over the top of the boat. Uh, they were really, it was a violent storm. And then they turn around and some, sometimes like we do in life, everything's going wrong in life. I got sick. Somebody died. I have financial problems. How many of you know there's always this tension with life? There's never a moment to rest. And what God's, you know, they look around and kind of like we do and we say, where in the world is God in the middle of all this violent storm? And they look back and wow, just as I suspected, God is sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. And so they wake him up and they say, hey, the storm's so bad we could die. And he's like, He's stretching and, you know, God is like, okay. And he said, you guys don't have very much faith, do you? He says, you're of little faith. He stands up and he says, shalom. Shalom, right? Peace. Be still. And the storm stopped immediately. And they said, what manner of person is this? that he speaks to the waves and they stop. And so they begin to understand that, um, yeah, this life has a lot of um, tension. This life has enemies that are after us, but there's a God that is giving a peace that doesn't depend on circumstances. And there's a Jesus that's in your heart, that's growing in your heart, that all he has to do is just say, Peace be still. And, and you know, the storm could still be going on around you. And you can go right back to sleep just like he did. There's a God that gives that kind of peace. And God wants you to have that peace. You say, man, can he say that to my fear? When you have fear, and how many know fear comes like a storm and like waves? How many have ever felt the waves crashing on your head? And it's like fear. I'm so worried that this is going to happen. I'm so worried that that's going to happen. I'm so worried that all these different things are going to happen and they're crashing upon you. Anxiety crashes like a storm. It's tearing up all the structure of your faith and your faith is being damaged. It's being destroyed. And God wants to speak peace over that. I like the song. uh, In fact, I put it on here somewhere, I think. I like the song... um, It is well with my soul. And many of you have heard the story about how he wrote it. And I'm going to paraphrase because it's a long story. But he was a very successful lawyer and, and, um, was he a lawyer and a uh, businessman in Chicago? He had this beautiful family. He had four daughters and a son. And, um, he basically had lost one of his, he lost his son. But he continued to serve the Lord and, and then, um, there, basically he, he sent his wife, and I'm, I'm not telling the story well, but he sent his wife on an ocean liner across the ocean. And as they were on an ocean liner, that liner got hit by another ship and that ship sank. You say, well, man, this isn't a very good story. Can I tell you something? Really hard things happen to Christians and non-Christians. The world we live in, if you say, man, I wish you'd come in and say nothing bad happens, but can I tell you something? The world we live in 
It rains on the righteous as well as the unrighteous. And what God wants us to do is give us peace through this world and hope because the world to come, it's not going to happen. Those who are able to enter into that city that's coming, this won't happen. But He wants us to give us peace through the storms of life. And so as this family is going across, they're hit by another liner and they actually go down and the wife and the four daughters are sitting uh, as the boat's about to go down and one of the survivors said that they were praying together and the mother was saying, God, you gave me these girls and if you choose to take them, I understand and I'll understand better one day. And so the entire ship went down. There were very few survivors. Um, They went back to the location where the crash was, and somehow the mother was on a piece of wreckage and barely survived. And so they pulled her out. He wired, wired back and said, Everybody is lost. It's only me. What do I do? I mean, no, that's hard. Lost his four daughters. Wife barely survived. And so... He immediately gets on a ship to go find his wife. And as they're driving across, he comes over the location of the wreckage where it was supposed to have happened. And and while he's there, peace comes over him. I mean, oh, that's real peace. That's not peace like the world gives. It's the peace that says this, listen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, me have been there. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to. Thou hast taught me to say, "It is well. It is well with my soul." Church, can I tell you the peace that God gives is not the same thing as joy, because things are going well for you. The peace that God gives, a Christian literally can be watching their house burn. They can be in the midst of the most difficult situations. And, and church, my heart is in New Jerusalem. My heart is in that city where peace reigns, where peace is the foundation. Uh, this peace that the Bible talks about, shalom, is a sense of well-being that is not um, affected by circumstances. It's not affected by life. How many know we need that? We need to have a peace in our heart that overflows. We need to have a peace. How many know the joy, one of the gifts of the Spirit is peace? And there is a peace so powerful that it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter what your checkbook says. It doesn't matter how they treat you at work. It doesn't matter how the world affairs are going. It doesn't matter who's standing on the border ready to kill you. There is a peace that reigns in the Christian's heart that was given at Bethlehem in the person of Jesus Christ and it's making peace with God, it's making peace within, and it's making peace with the people around you. You say, well, how is it making peace with the people around me? One thing they say in um, Israel, one of the generals that talked to us said that every peace that we've ever had was temporary. He said, we've never really had peace. He said, we've always rented it. He said, we give up land, and when we give up the land, we should have purchased it. But it was a rental, because we never get peace. No matter what we give, 
will not give peace because the other party does not want to get along. The other party doesn't want peace, and they desperately are seeking for peace. Now, some people in their relationships, it's a negotiation. But how many know when you have the real God of peace in your heart, you make peace with the people around you? You say, well, so-and-so did this to me. I owe them. I'm going to pay them back for what they did. I mean, no, that's natural. I want to pay them back. That's the sin nature. Natural. I want to pay them back for what they did to me. But how many know real, true shalom is not an agreement? It's not you do this and I'll do this and we've got a temporary agreement of a ceasefire. I mean, no, a lot of our peace is that way. It's like Israel, they have a ceasefire. Well, God doesn't give ceasefires. God gives true peace. That means I can love the mom or the dad that hurt me. I can love the neighbor that did this to me. You say, oh no, don't say my neighbor. I mean, no, God wants to give true shalom. Peace with God finally. I can actually be a worshiper of God. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm laying down all my weapons and I give up. Peace within myself. I'm not fighting anymore. I mean, oh, you've been fighting too long. You said, man, if I could only be good enough. If I can only keep all of the law like God wants. If I can only be a perfect person. If I can only do this. If I can only do that. And you're fighting with God because he wants to give peace to your heart. And he wants you to stop fighting. He wants you to just love him. Live for him. Love him. Put down your weapons. He wants you to love the people around you. He doesn't want you to fight anymore. You say, but Chad, they hurt me. They did bad things to me. Man, they made my life awful. They made this, that, or another. God says, put down the weapons of warfare. I want to bring shalom to your heart. I want to bring forgiveness to your heart. I want a complete and total peace in your heart. No more fighting. How many know we can live in that city today? The city whose foundation is peace. Right now there are people, your dad is walking on those streets. The foundation of peace. How many know that? Think about that. Are you jealous? It's okay to be jealous in this case. The streets whose foundation is peace. Man, I want, I long to be there. I want to be, I'm tired of fighting. You tired of fighting? I don't want to fight against God. I don't want to fight against the myself. I don't want to fight against the people around me. I've been fighting too long. How many have been fighting too long? Let's surrender to the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The price of peace. The Bible says, For God was pleased... I want you to picture a happy and a pleased God. To have fullness dwell in Christ. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah. He made peace with us if we will receive it 
Remember the statement the angels made in the first Christmas at the birth of Christ? Peace to all men to whom the favor of God rests. Stand your feet. Hallelujah. Worship team. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. Lord, we sense your peace in this house, Lord. Lord, I just pray today that it would find a place to rest in hearts, Lord God, that your Son would not be missed or lost or not able to be found. But Lord, this Christmas, may He um, rest in our hearts, Lord. Lord, the peace that you said passes our understanding, our intellect, our knowledge. Father, I just pray that it would be birth in hearts, Lord God. Oh, through your blood, Lord, your sacrifice, Lord God. Let, let, let them quit fighting, Lord. Let each person lay down their, their weapons, Lord, and quit fighting, Lord. Hallelujah. With your eyes closed, I just want to ask you, are you fighting God today? Say, man, I want to do what I want to do, and God just doesn't let me do what I want to do. God loves you so much that He wants to bless you. He's like a loving father that says, don't run in the street when the cars are flying by because I could never lose you. And we're like the little kid that says, Dad, I love to run in the street so much. Are you fighting with God? I'm asking you today. He died for one reason, one reason only. He wanted to take away the wall of separation between you and Him. There's only a 20-foot wall in Bethlehem right now, but in your heart, that wall is a lot bigger than that. And God wants to shatter that wall today. God wants you to say, okay, God, I'm ready for peace with you. I'm ready to make peace with God. How many know before you die, you must make this peace with God or you won't live in eternity with Christ? Today is the day. There might not be a tomorrow. God wants to make peace with you today, and we're here to pray for you. And so if that's you, I want you to find me. I want to pray with you. I want to lead you to the Lord. Another thing, God wants you to make peace with yourself. Some of you have given your heart to the Lord, but you still haven't forgiven yourself. God wants you to appropriate that love, that grace, that mercy. You're not a perfect person. You are a sinner, and God wants you to receive His free gift, and God wants you to leave the past in the past the third thing God wants you to begin to forgive the people that are around you God wants you to have peace with your neighbors how many know that peace with your mom peace with your dad peace with your family he wants to give you a peace that's supernatural you say I can't do it and you're right but the prince of peace will do that in your heart hallelujah As the worship team begins to play, I want you just to begin to pray about it. Any of these areas in your life, I want to pray with you if you've never given your heart to the Lord.
Maybe you're struggling with relationships. I want to pray with you this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, we only, uh, I closed my sermon at 11.45. Hallelujah. Why are these altars empty? Is nobody here going through anything? Hallelujah. If you've got a surgery coming, if you've got something that you're stressed about, something you have fear about, something you have anxiety about, how many know the church is here to lay hands on you and pray for you? How many know that the Holy Spirit works through the body? Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. God has supernatural gifts and He wants us to minister one to another church we've got these altars open hallelujah you've never given your heart to the lord man what day could be better than today hallelujah praise the lord we're going to continue to pray you can uh, be dismissed i'm not going to have a closing prayer because i want you to keep worshiping hallelujah